Bring it. Hello and a big welcome once again to the fabulous podcast Feud for Thought. We're back. Whoa! It's me, Ben Simmons, and my ever esteemed colleague. Me, Martin Hill. We are ready for feuding. Yes, he's back. And for thinking. Back again. <laughs> ben is back. Return Bell of the Mac. Mac. Return of the Mac. Why is Return he going on about Simmons. his Mac? That's what I wanted to know. I don't know. He's back. He's back in the folds. The yes. yin to my yang. You've done one on your own. You've done one with uh, somebody else. The night to my day. The dark <laughs> to my light. The laurel to my hardy. Here he is. <laughs> the laurel ben. to my wreath. I. <laughs> Brilliant. He's back. I'm glad well, to yeah, be tell back. Us, where have you been, Ben, for the last like six weeks? Do you know you what? You came the... back after New Year and you promised all these listeners that you were yeah. here for good. For the long haul. You're like, you're like the rock in wrestling. You I just did. Come here, <laughs> do a little bit of something and then naff off for it. And then come back and big. host WrestleMania and then go away again. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> Basically, what I did was get some work on uh, an event managing job for this uh, promo company and it made me extremely difficult to find free time uh and yeah i i wasn't able to make this podcast happen as much as i would have liked but i was able to know about a vegan egg substitute so if you want a vegan what egg is sub- the uh, vegan egg substitute the one I was working with is called Cracked, and apparently Cracked without an E in, so it's C-R-A-C-K apostrophe D, and it's the first liquid... Makes perfect sense, that. Perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Liquid egg alternative in the UK. There's one in America called Just Egg. It's the first liquid one in the UK. It looks like custard. It's got similar amount of protein and vitamins into what you get from eggs, but obviously... Oh, hang on. Is this your sales pitch? Go on, give us your... Yeah, so I'm a customer. I'm coming yeah. up. I'm saying, excuse me, fine sir. Yes. What is this disgusting gloop you've got in front of me here? Well, weirdly, we didn't give out the disgusting gloop. What we did, which oh. when, it, when you analyse it and think about it... <laughs> people, is, it is it not edible? <laughs> we, we mixed it into a pancake batter in the run-up to Pancake Day. And so uh-huh. we were giving out little pancake balls um we had a grill thing that and a sort of dimpled tray that you could put batter in and get these little balls out of and um so you put so hang on. Su- whoa, whoa, whoa back up a sec right. so you were you were putting the not egg egg yeah into pancake mix yeah so oh, I suppose you do you do make pancakes with eggs. Uh, the, when you said it originally, it didn't make sense to me. And then oh, thought, no. oh, right. so, so normally when you make a pancake, already made. Yeah, no, but hang on, already- hang on, hang on. Normally with pancakes, you mix flour, milk, eggs, maybe a bit of baking soda, vanilla, essence, vegetable yeah. oil, whatever, and you make a batter. So basically like we did exactly the same, but replaced the egg with this other stuff. But in terms of the final batter. I would say about 10 to 15% of it is egg or the egg alternative. And the number of people that were like, well, it tastes exactly the same. This stuff's incredible. And you're like, if it tasted massively different when it's still got milk and flour and sugar in it and oil in it, it would be really terrible. But it it's not like you were conning people, but yeah, bit. 
I think, yeah, it was a bit weird. But the thing with this liquid egg substitute is you could pour it straight out of a bottle into a pan and scramble it and make non-scrambled egg, if you like, or scrambled non-egg. Right. <clears throat> and did, did you do... So in your um, promotion of this, this yeah. crap, have you always mixed it with something else? We were like, only ever giving out... Yeah, we'd only... <laughs> We were only ever giving out pancakes. And then some of the days we were going to a supermarket and trying to drive sales for the supermarket. Some days we were setting up in a market area and trying to sell the bottles from our own van. And But can you have it on its own? Is it yeah. like, can you do scrambled cracks? Yeah, you can scramble it on its own. You can... Any, any cooking you would use egg in, you can use that instead. Obviously, the only thing it doesn't replicate is like a fried egg or a separated white and yolk because it's one thing that comes yellow already. Perfect for you, then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But what, um, <clears throat> so what does it taste like when it's on its own? Um, the brilliant thing, bearing in mind I've done that job, is I don't like scrambled eggs particularly, so I pretty much wouldn't like scrambled non-eggs, so I've never eaten it on its own. I've only had it in part uh, of the pancake batter. How but, do you know you what? If you don't like eggs, it's the perfect thing for you. Yeah, but it, it, well, someone who worked with me did have it as scrambled, and they said it just tasted kind of similar but a bit more bland sort of thing you still needed sort of seasoning and stuff with it and it was okay you got a similar texture to scrambled egg but the the main what thing what did you make the scrambled egg with sorry what do you mean well scrambled egg isn't just an egg you usually put milk in with it oh yeah well i don't know in this you just put what's in the bottle in and it's made out of split pea protein although you say that and it's like as we used to know when we worked for vitamix and we'd use non-dairy milks in lattes and things at vegan conventions and a cashew milk has like five percent cashew nuts in or an almond milk has six percent almonds in or whatever and there's water stabilizers or whatever this split pea protein egg substitute had three percent pea protein in it and it's like what else is in it then there was stabilizers there was i can't even remember now but yeah water and stuff so it's like all that's but people were loving it there was hardly any negative comments and i'm glad the uh initial part of our podcast has been well, taken up you, with it. yeah if you shove out with a pancake or like i was like or, or if you make a cake with it or something then it, yeah, yeah it, it, apparently it people who were People who were fans of it said because it's liquid, it binds better in baking. You can make things that you can't make with traditional egg substitutes that are powders very well, like Yorkshire puddings you could do with it, omelettes you could do with it quite well and stuff. And so people were loving it as a vegan alternative. And what, what's the cost of one of these bad boys? Well, that's another thing. Hardly anybody balked at the price. It's in M&S, £4.25 for a bottle, which is equivalent to eight eggs. Shut up. Yeah, £4.25. Morrison's do it for four quid. Whole Foods do it for four ninety nine. Eight eggs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. See... Someone, I can imagine you being the kind of person that would think it was a bit overpriced. And to be fair, I did think it wasn't. I'm not wasn't sure how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you'd, you'd be the kind of person that would think about something like that and think, well, hang on, that's equivalent to that. And that doesn't actually work. No, there were loads I'll, of people. I'll just would... correct you there. I'm the type of person who will never think of buying anything <laughs> like that. 
regardless of the price, I ain't getting no egg substitute. But because um, I'm quite happy eating eggs. Yeah. But like when I eat eggs, like if I was having an omelette, well, I suppose to be fair, I am a fatty. But I was going to say, like, <laughs> I, I do like three eggs in an omelette. Easy. Yeah, yeah, eggs. yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm hungry, I'd have four eggs, me. Bag wow. Out. Nice. Yeah, that, but that filled me up. That's lunch. It's half a bottle gone if this cracked. Yeah. It is. It sounds more <laughs> crap than cracked. But I mean, anyway, that's what's taken me away from our podcast for a little while. But um, I'm back now. So let's yes, enjoy that. He's back. Yes, he's back. And uh, what, we, what we're going to be devoting the rest of uh, the time we have with you today to is talking about something for many people, will be enjoyable. Uh, UK TV panel shows. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a lot of them, aren't there? A lot. I did I did a bit of a movie breakdown last week without you because yeah. I was a bit lost. So I did the old, uh, went through some of the upcoming movies that are now, out. Now, um, obviously, me being a oh, fan yeah. of our show, I've listened to your output and know exactly what you said last week. But in case I didn't... Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. I can deal with the fact that if you didn't have time to do the show, I'll be yeah, a bit exactly. annoyed if you had time to sit and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, is the film you're most looking forward to, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, or is there something else there's you're a, more there's excited a few, about? There's a few I'm looking. To be honest, right? Yeah, I was looking kind of forward to the multiverse thing. Yeah. I did talk I did talk a bit about the DC Marvel thing uh, yeah, last yeah. week. Uh, but since... The Batman got released at the weekend, and I am going to see it tomorrow. Yeah, the things that I'm hearing about it is that it's pretty special as a movie. And, and well, I I know nothing about it, which I'm quite glad about. Um, although I've just seen, and I sometimes do this, I look on IMDb and check the ratings that something gets, and it's got pretty high ratings from its first sort of number of people that have been to see it. Like a decent film will get over about seven and a half out of ten, and it's got something like eight point eight out of ten already. Yeah, no, it's doing really well. I don't think it's going to continue doing really well because it's on. I don't think it's the same world because I, I, I think the. I mean, I don't, I don't want to throw out any spot. Well, to be honest, I don't one hundred percent know. Yeah, I'm seventy percent <laughs> convinced that there is a version of the Joker in it. Oh, right. Okay. But it's not the same one as the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. No. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, we probably should have this chat when we've both seen it next week. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there's a, someone else doing it. I don't know. I could be wrong. Until tomorrow, I don't know. So I don't want okay. to put it out there. But um, I think it's in that same vein. It's in that same sort of world where it's a bit sort of, uh, I want to say grungier for a time. Yeah, emo-y. Bit... emo if I say okay. that. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean yeah. yeah bit... totally. Uh, and I think uh, what I was saying uh, last week, which I'll reiterate now, sorry to annoy people, but we'll get Ben in on the mix as well. I think what DC have the potential of doing here is making them very much storyline-driven films yeah, and focus on that side. And if they do it like they did with the Joker and they do it with the Batman um, and try and stay clear of... I know there's the Flash coming out at the end of the year, uh, which is going to be sort of action-y, and they open up this whole multiverse thing of their own. Yeah. Um, but I think these are the kind of films that will win 
DC points rather yeah. than trying to replicate what Marvel have already done. I think I've, I've um, said before on these when we've analysed films and popular films, I've talked about superheroes. It seems to me crazy that DC have people that are perceived as better characters in the world, like Superman, like Batman, and Marvel had ones that, in terms of the comics, were not quite as popular, like Iron Man and Thor, but then Marvel have done such a better job with their films and their well, storylines up to now, yeah, it seems. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's because they, they there was no expectations on any of those characters that they brought out. True, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was, that was brilliant. My only issue with the Marvel world, it's not really an issue because I still enjoy them because I'm an action guy. Yeah. But I, I, I've said this on many things where we've spoken about films, is the big oh let's decimate an entire village, uh, city, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and a whole corner of the world's gonna go, and everything has to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And they've set themselves up for that because they kept doing it. Yeah, sure. For them reining it, but with the new Spider-Man trilogy that he's signed up to, I think that they'll rein that back in and start doing. I think yeah. it'll be. I'm Smaller hoping it'll just be like a friendly neighbourhood spider. I know we yeah. said that as well, but that that was such a good job of finishing a trilogy in an in- incredible way, but like resetting it so that it can start, not necessarily start again, but you, like you say, go somewhere totally different with it or start a new narrative with yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, totally up the do. So there's um, <clears throat> yeah, a few a few films coming out that I... Uh, quite like the look of especially there's a few that have been pushed back to next year like there's an, another Mission Impossible and stuff like that coming out do you know what I really like when I see a trailer for a film in a cinema that I didn't know very much about at all and then it really makes me want to see it one of the yeah. weirdest examples of that I remember getting that with the original Matrix one of the weirdest examples of that was The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis and I saw a teaser trailer for that in the 90s whenever that came out and it didn't have any footage of the film and it just showed earth, air, fire and water or whatever. And with oh, graphics. I do remember that. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. said from whatever date the film came out, there is a fifth. And I was like, I really need to see that. And then I think if I'd have known <laughs> what it was actually about, I probably wouldn't have been as excited about it because it was pretty, it was interesting. That film it was a bit weird. Um, the fifth. Yeah, film. It was a bit weird, but yeah, sometimes that's the thing. There's, there's, uh, like when me and Alana sit and we try and watch a film, we'll, oh, let's watch the trailer. What's the trailer? And by the end of the trailer, I think, well, I've seen that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't think there's much more you're going to add to what you've just told me in that trailer. In fact, I can't remember what it was, but I saw a trailer of something recently and I was like, I don't really need to see that film now. Uh, (laughs) But now I've said that, it's annoying that I can't remember what it was. It was quite a recent thing in the last three months, four months. Ah, bit of doing it, but yes, we are uh, going to revert to the TV um, panel show. Yes, uh, the the panel show kind of. Can I give yeah, you my show. fact to start us off? Which is sort of three facts in one, which I'm quite pleased about. One of the three longest, one. Okay. one of the longest running current panel shows that's still airing is Have oh, I Got Have news I Got News for You? Yeah, yes. Yes, well done. That's not the fact, though. But the f- oh. um, obviously that started off with Angus Deaton as the sort of chairman, and then he got disgraced and they decided to go a different way with it, where they have a guest host um, every episode. And over the years of that, um, certain numbers of people have guest hosted more than once. And I was surprised at the top three guest hosts in terms of numbers of appearances. Now, 
Are you a fan of Have I Got News for You? We are I used to be. Watching? I used to watch it a lot. I really like Angus Deaton. I'm a bit upset yeah. that he's kind of disappeared because he was he was just really good at hosting stuff. Yeah, he, he was really was. You're host. right. Yeah, and yeah. ironically, if stuff like that came out now, it'd probably make him more famous than he was before. <laughs> but at, at the time, I think it, it just what was it? It just he had something to do with, with a prostitute. prostitute. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which in today's day and age is like, my God, when Prince <laughs> yeah. Andrew can get away with the stuff he gets away with and all that. Well, jazz. you think there's someone it, it, like, we'll probably talk have... about later, Jimmy Carr, and you think about what he's got away with in terms of what whatever he did, tax, tax avoidance and stuff. And yeah. stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and it is it is a shame that, because, uh, yeah, I used to really like him as a host. So I used to watch it a lot and I used to find it quite funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, afterwards, probably not. I have watched a bit. I mean, I'd have a guess at the top three, but I'd, 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 I will probably be wrong if I'm not. Well, one lie. of them surprised me in particular. But go on, have a guess. Who do you think might be in the top three? The Let's... ones I've seen them. Whenever I've popped it on or I've seen it advertised, I've gone, "Oh, he's hosting this again." Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple who've popped up a few times. One uh, would be Jack D. Okay, yeah. Uh, another Martin Clunes seems to yeah. pop up a lot. Yeah, yeah. And um, who would a third one be? Probably Sandy Tovic. Okay, yeah. Right, well, I'll tell you, because you're close, actually. But I think Martin Clunes is fourth in terms of numbers of appearances. I think he's done it 13 or 14 times. And Jeez, Jack, that's still quite a lot. Yeah, Jack D is about fifth or sixth. I think he's done it 12, 13 times. But oh. the third highest is Victoria Corrin Mitchell, who's done it oh, 15 times. Should have gone with her. Should have gone this with This is yeah. what surprised me. Second is Joe Brand, who's done it 26 times. Really? Yeah, and that is then surprising. The first, who's done it 37 times, is Alexander Armstrong. Of course. As soon as you said it, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can see him doing it. I remember him. Do- yeah. Yeah. Other Someone else who's done it quite a lot but didn't quite make the highest one. Stephen Mangan's done it more than 10 times as well, yeah, I think. I've seen him do it as well. God, I think I've watched this more than I thought. Yeah. As soon as you say <laughs> them, I'm like, yeah, I remember episodes. But it's actually, it's funny. In terms of a panel show, you would think losing the host, the chairperson of it, who'd sort of held it together. I realise Paul Merton and Ian Hislop were equally you know, as a much a part of it, but you'd think a show that sacks their host, you're like, well, that's going to suffer. And it was a genius idea to think of a guest host every week and make that be the, the sort of hook of it as well. I think they did a good job of sort of recovering. Well, I think what happened there is I think even the production company were like, we don't want to replace him because he was yeah. good and there's yeah, every chance yeah. this washes over and he might come back. But yeah. he never did. And then I think the guest of the week took over and people enjoyed that a bit more, I suppose. Wasn't but there a... F- Ang- Angus Dayton also did uh, Would I Lie to You? He did the yeah. first, yeah, first yeah, yeah. one or two seasons of that and then got replaced with... Yeah, um, with Rob, Rob, Rob Bryden. Rob Bryden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he just kind of disappeared. He used to host the British version of Hell's Kitchen that I liked as well. Oh, and right. Then, yeah. And then they did, uh, Claudia Winkleman did it. And I just. But he was the neighbor as well in One Foot in the Grave, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. He was on it. He was on a lot of stuff for a while and then kind of got disgraced. And uh, yeah, you're right. By today's standards, probably wouldn't be so bad for him. But uh, yeah. I, I tell you something, you mentioned it there. I, 
pretty much universally I really enjoy watching, would I lie to you? There's not many shows coming from a sort of comedy background myself, and maybe you feel this, there's not many shows that make me laugh out loud. And I find a lot of comedy on TV is a bit forced and I'll sit and watch it and it just kind of washes over me. But so many of the stories on Would I Lie to You and the, just the banter and the way they sort of get annoyed at each other, David Mitchell and Lee Mack, genuinely makes me laugh out loud. Yeah, I love the interaction between David Mitchell and Lee Mack. And yeah. they're, they're so good together and i think they are the sole reason that show has gone on as long as because some of the stories are a bit farcical yeah i I generally don't know if they're true or not if they know or not i don't know but i don't equally it's one of those shows where i don't really care yeah yeah, it's an entertaining show and it's just good to watch them interact with that there's something that stands out to me whenever bob mortimer is on it it's like they have to have him say something that is utterly ludicrous and more often than not it's true there was one where he said he could rip an apple in half i was literally just about to say the same thing (laughs) and everyone was like don't be ridiculous and then he does it and it's brilliant and there's one where he said he does his own dentistry with something and everyone was like all right the apple thing was mental and ended up being true but that is not true and it was true he has his own dentistry and they're like really and they keep it's like they keep trying to get him to do more and more far-fetched things that are actually still true but also the the one who i think is just brilliant for daft stuff is rod gilbert Gilbert. i think it's so funny yeah. And one of my favourite ones is when I think he paid for like a chicken vindaloo with his Nissan Micra. <laughs> <laughs> and it was true. And I was like, what? Like, just, one... he didn't have any money, so he just gave him his car. <laughs> I was like, that's just... There's okay. one story from that that I remember for, for thinking in my head, well, that can't possibly be true. And it was Kevin Bridges saying while he was on holiday, he accidentally bought a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I, I vaguely remember this one. Yeah, yeah, and they were a bit drunk. Him and his, no, I don't even think they were drunk. But him and his mate went out and wanted to hire a horse for horse riding, <laughs> and didn't appreciate the amount of money they got asked for in local currency was relatively high. And they tried to give it back at the end of the day. And the bloke wasn't there and just gone because he'd sold them his horse. Ah, uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And and that is a good show because that's that's one of the shows that makes panel shows still kind of relevant, I suppose, because I do think they are sort of genuine stories and it's not about the questions and it's not as formulaic as yeah they tend to be. What annoys me about a lot of panel shows is that they seem to be um, geared towards a comedian getting some of his set on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, imp- Everything seems to be twisted that little bit towards, oh, you're talking about this? Well, I know a joke about this, which is loosely linked, so I'm just going to tell you about this joke. Yeah. And it's just like, I just, I felt like I, I kind of get frustrated watching them because of that, and it annoys me. Well, I get annoyed now, and it's something that's happened in the last sort of two or three years. Maybe it's related to COVID, or maybe they were planning it anyway. But the TV channel, Dave, it's like they've decided they're going to make their own programmes, 
but they're going to use the same batch of comedians and give certain ones a panel show and the guests on every episode of everybody else's panel shows are mm-hmm. exactly the same. And it yep. really winds me up. And it's like, I can't even think of it, but that Sarah Pascoe is on everything on Dave. James Acaster, Josh Widdicombe, they're on everything. On I, Dave. I hate Josh Widdicombe. I just <laughs> do not find Josh Widdicombe. For, and he's, he's the classic example of it, yeah. of just wedging in bad jokes and a stupid laugh and getting in on them. And he's on all of his on Mock the Week. Can't I, explain, I can't explain never, it because he, Mock the he may be a nice person, but I completely, I know, I know this is feud for thought and we're agreeing a lot, but I completely agree. I've always thought Josh Widdicombe was crap. I've never liked him. Sorry if you're listening I, I to this, Josh. I don't know what he's famous are. for. I don't know of him doing lots of stand-up. I don't know where he's come from. I he may have worked very hard to get where he is. And obviously he's doing far better than I am. So it yeah. might be a bit of bitterness. I don't know. But I don't remember a stand-up routine of it. I, I don't remember a video or a DVD. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, like, I remember he's like, see- he's like a non-famous, famous person. It's <laughs> really weird. I remember seeing him on Live at the Apollo, but I couldn't tell you. I, none of his stuff was memorable at all. Um, and yeah, he must have done his time sort of doing clubs and the circuit and whatever. And it has routines. He has. He's the only one I know of who I don't think has ever done an hour show anywhere. <laughs> like, can can you can you think of a time when he was on his own on a stage with a microphone uh, to to a big audience like Peter Kay, Ricky Gervais, Rob Beckett? Oh sure, uh, yeah, Darryl yeah, yeah. O'Brien. All these people have done a stand-up show. Even Jimmy Carr's done stand-up shows. Yeah, I've been uh, to Jimmy Carr's stand-up shows. I've, I've, yeah. I've always quite and, enjoyed and lots it. of yeah. them. He yeah. doesn't seem to. He doesn't seem to. James Acaster done stand-up shows and brilliant ones. He's. I do find him hysterical. Yeah, and he seems to be best friends with Josh Widdicombe, and it annoys <laughs> me because they, they do all this stuff together. I can't yeah. get my head around it. Really does my head in. Yeah, John Richardson. Even he's done a stand-up show. I think he's done yeah. at least one. Yeah, he yeah, might yeah. Not very good, but I find him very funny as well. Although he needs to stop doing the stuff with his wife, but yeah, um, he yeah. hasn't done anything. Yeah, just hasn't done anything. <laughs> he's a he's a non-famous famous person. You could pass him. You will be forgiven for passing him on the street. As far as I'm do you, concerned, do you get this? We're talking about panel shows, and this I mentioned her a minute ago, and I'm not trying to just be harsh to people, um, but. She's on, she's been on loads of panel shows, and it's just someone I've never found funny at all. Any of her material is Sarah Pascoe. I've never watched her on anything and thought, ah, brilliant, ever. Uh, Taskmaster. I liked her in Taskmaster. Okay, and, yeah, well. Uh, I like but, her when she's in I like her when she's on 8 out of 10 cats with Rob Beckett. Her and Rob Beckett together are funny. Mm, uh, well, that's something you touched on. Eight out of ten cats does. Uh, are you talking about eight out of ten cats regular show or does countdown or either version? I think they've been on both because Beckett used to host it when um, who was on the right side of? I can't remember. Someone left. Was it Lee Mack? Did he used to do it? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know. I'd never used to watch eight out of 10 cats on his own because I didn't really like the statistics idea behind it all. But eight out of 10 cats does countdown. I absolutely love. I think that's brilliant. Eight out of 10 cats does countdown. I love. And I was gutted when Sean Locke passed. Sean yeah. Locke was a genius. He was, <laughs> he was so genius. funny on some of his little routines and things that they got into that. Absolutely hilarious. Brilliant. But 
having said that, he was also extremely guilty for wedging his stand-up routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, tell you I, what... only, I only started picking up on that because I liked him from watching him on the show when he was with Dave Spikey, who was the first one. I thought, I really like that guy. And I sort of Googled a bit more about him and I, and I started listening to his stand-up. And then yeah. the more I was listening to his stand-up, the more I was hearing it word for word on 8 out of 10 cats. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you're just wedging that in. And I didn't think you were like that, but he is. But he's still, well, he was one of the quickest witted people to be like, he just had a, he was just, he was very, very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a shame he's not there. You touched on something there. And I get, I don't, I can't explain why I get annoyed. And it's because I don't know if coming from a comedy background, having been to TV comedy shows and, been to recordings of TV stuff in studios and seeing our stuff's manipulated and the audience are whipped up by a warm-up man and then it's made to seem better than it. I don't like it when stuff happens and I feel like the public are being duped. And it's like, Mock the Week really annoys me when they do that spin the wheel and you're going to talk about a random subject, be yeah. funny about it, and they're just doing their act. And you'd said about Crowbar and their acting, like someone like Milton Jones, who's hilarious and irreverent and ridiculous, and then they'll get a subject come up and he just does three minutes of material that's very loosely linked with it because it enables him to go into part of his act. And, yeah. oh, that winds me up so much. mate. And I don't even really know why, because maybe everyone out there watching it feels the same and they're like, oh, yeah. But I just think there might be people watching it going, oh, that Milton Jones is very clever because it, it was transport. And then he talked all about that for three minutes. And I just, I don't know. Mock, Mock the Week is one of the worst. I don't even know. Well, it's I, I'm only... not even sure of the premise. Is it just mocking... Well, well it, it's supposedly, yeah, there's all there's all different formats throughout it, but the only bit that's good about it is the final bit they do called Scenes We'd Like to See, which is basically like World's Worst in an impro show or whatever, you know, for <clears throat> five minutes. And that, there's an, you might as well ignore the rest of the programme and just watch that bit because it's quite, that's the best bit of it. But I'll tell you who is the worst, who is the all-out worst ever at just... He just banging in his own material is only on these shows for one purpose, and that is to make him look as good as humanly possible, regardless of what he says or does to other people. Yeah. And I probably hate him the most. And whatever record, I don't care if I become famous and this comes back to bite me in the bum one day, I cannot stand anything that comes out of Phil Jupiter's mouth. He needs to stop talking. He needs to get off these shows. Every single thing that comes out of his mouth winds me up, and it's <laughs> and you can I can see his eyes working. Going, all right. Well, I'm going to say that. Yeah, I'm going to say this now. And this is going, yeah. We're going to talk about this, uh, and it's me. So I'm talking now. Like he doesn't listen to people. He just yeah. talks. Up. He's <laughs> phenomenally bad at it, and I can't believe people enjoy watching him. Or uh, it just yeah. Oh, bugbear. But he, that because I started thinking of other panel shows in my head. and um, Well, this is uh, something, this is... Never mind, the buzzcocks just sprang to mind and why I hated it so much. Yeah. It was because he was on it. What I'm going to say now is born out of jealousy, but also it's born out of the fact that I genuinely know someone isn't particularly talented and has vaguely got somewhere more successful than I will ever do. And Talk it about was, me. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, when we did... Um, 
we were in an impro group with our mutual friend Dave Bourne, and then that sort of disbanded, and we started something at the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green, and there was like eight, ten people that did it. And a girl guested with us about three or four times at Bethnal Green and has gone on to become a regular on panel shows, particularly QI, and it really winds me up that all she did when she was in our impro shows was not be very good and say the C word a lot and swear as much as she possibly could to get noticed. And it really used to wind me up. And it's uh, Carrie Ad Lloyd. And she did, I know she had a co- an oh, impro comedy. Gareth, group. Yeah. Um, she was in. She had an impro comedy of, thing called. Ostentatious as well about making a Jane Austen adaptation based on audience suggestions. Well, that's she, still quite big, though. She did these impro shows with us, and she is a nice person. When um, Shotgun Impro that I did with Nick Murphy had shows at London Zoo for four years, I think two of those years, Ostentatious were there as well. And we used to chat to her, and she was nice, but it really winds me up that she sort of got noticed in the comedy world through just being as offensive as she possibly could when she wasn't really like that in real life. And then now she's on those panel shows. And again, any time I see her on those panel shows, I think you haven't said anything funny at all. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just winds me up how she's got to where she's got. I think she had her own series on BBC Three as well. For a, it went out ridiculously late at night one time. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, I know. I, I think I have met her, but only via Gareth's thing. Yeah, uh, or she might have left by that point. But I, I know she was in uh, the Men of War sketch show with Gareth, who was a previous guest of ours. Yeah, um, and. Uh, uh, well, I didn't know you felt that strongly about her, to be honest. It but. just annoyed me that she just came in and we used to, do, we did a couple of games, like well-known impro things where it was like a speed dating and then th- she was seeing three different blokes and had to guess what their attributes were. And all she did was say the C word over and over again. And I was like, yeah, can, do you want to do something else, love? <laughs> it just annoyed I mean, me. In fairness, that's what you do on here. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I get noticed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Uh, but that at the minute. So, right. We are sort of banging on about comedians a little bit here. Yeah. But like the panel show format itself um, yeah. kind of lent itself to that, hasn't it? Because there isn't really um, a serious sort of panel show. There's it one... is always comedians. Like, yeah, 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 sure. There's one thing that does... There's one thing that you do occasionally get um, speakers as opposed to comedians on or people who are known for something else, and that's QI. And I do really like QI in that it actually imparts knowledge as well and tells you stuff that's interesting, which is the whole point of it, quite interesting. But, um, like going against common knowledge and find like things that aren't actually true that everyone's always thought were true and stuff like that. And, and it adds, it annoyed me that it just for a few years became a vehicle for Alan Davis to try and be shit at it. And he sort of got past that now. Um, but I do quite like QI. But with Q, yeah, I like QI. But with QI as well, they did have Alan Davis there for the comedy value, but yeah. they did used to have 
knowledgeable people on there. It was always someone who had some form of knowledge on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though some of them might have, like Dara Brian is is legitimately like a scientist or something, isn't he? He's yeah, legit, yeah, yeah. He's got those qualifications. I think Sandy Togvik is pretty much a genius. I mean, she's hosting the show now, but she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was always a guest. Uh, David Mitchell was always quite intelligent. They didn't have. Although they do now, probably, I think, in ones I've seen. You didn't always have idiots come on and just try and be silly with it. I know no, Beckett's no. been on it a couple of times. Let's be fair, Beckett's... <laughs> Be- Rob Beckett, in my belief, is probably one of the nicest people out there in the world, but I also think he's a bit of a moron. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I genuinely don't know if he does it for the camera or not. He does a show with uh, Ramesh Ranganathan, which is uh, Rob and Ramesh versus. Have you seen yeah, that? Vers- yeah, yeah, I've not seen a whole thing of it. I've only seen bits of it. Yeah. It is brilliant. It is really good. They're so good together. And that, I mean, that's not a panel show, but it's just a really good. Uh, entertaining show of them two, and yeah, what I, what I, if if not, then they're very good actors. But I think it is a genuine friendship between those two that is very evident. Yeah, um, on the show. Actually, here's uh, something that's uh, going off in a different direction in terms of panel shows, but it still is a panel show. <laughs> but just by the very nature of the host and the host being a kind of parody character i've watched a few of them and really enjoyed them and then i've watched some where it's just been mental and it's almost reminded me a little bit of something like shooting stars but celebrity juice with keith lemon is quite oh what are you doing to me (laughs) i've watched some celebrity juices where i've genuinely found stuff that's gone on funny and i've watched some of them where it's just gone mental and i'm like it's sort of borderline offensive and you're just being weird now do you absolutely hate Keith Lemon then? Um, yeah, probably. I don't <laughs> absolutely hate him. I mean, he's grown on me a lot more than what he used to. Uh, but yeah, those are those are shows that. Uh, yeah, I've never really liked his kind of comedy and his shows and stuff like One that. One thing that's weird, it's like. Um, but Steve- I never liked League of Gentlemen stuff. There's a certain yeah, there's a yeah, bit yeah. Of comedy where I just find it a bit. It's not. If it's not like a genuine comedy kind of telling, yeah. uh, I, I feel he's always the character all the time. What's weird about Keith Lemon and Lee Francis, who plays him, is, for instance, someone like Steve Coogan, who does Alan Partridge, is such a recognisable character. But then you've seen Steve Coogan on chat shows being himself and you can see he's a different person. I don't think I've ever seen Lee Francis interviewed as himself. I know he was Arvid Merrion and now he's Keith Lemon and stuff and all those characters he's had on Bo Selector and whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen him as himself. I don't know what he's actually like as himself at all. Uh, No, I don't. And that's the problem with him. There's no connection only via... If that's your only connection, it's just trying to crack a joke every two minutes or say something stupid for effect then it gets tiresome very quickly. Yeah. For me. I mean, I appreciate that's my opinion, but that's what, you know, it's my podcast. It's our podcast. I can yeah. voice my opinion. Yeah, my absolutely. Opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. He should, he should be on TV. But there's other, there's other shows that follow this kind of weird formula, and I've noticed that they kind of do the same. thing. So, like, Room 101. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they say, I'm angry about this, I'm angry about that, I'm angry about yeah. this. And again, it's just them trying to have a laugh with something they're angry about. And he picks one and it goes into room 101. Yeah. And then there's this um, 
and I feel bad shitting on him because uh, I literally just said how much I like him, and I do. Now, but Rod Gilbert did one, which was something about growing up. Which oh, is exactly yeah. The, exactly the grown-ups. It's exactly the same formula yeah. as one, Room 101. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, how yeah. is this any... He has three people who tell them something about their past that gripes them, and he has to pick <laughs> one, and he puts it into this... Yeah. time capsule or something and sends it I don't this is the same premise as, it's like yeah. some executive went room 101 sc- yeah. yeah some executive went room 101's been good for years let's do something very similar and call it something different and they all went yeah that would be cheap to make yeah and because of that I sit there watching it I've only watched two or three episodes to be fair Growing Pains that's what it's called uh, uh, yeah. I sit there and I just start watching it and all the way through I'm going this is just like 101 like you're ripping this off like this is this <laughs> you is know, fake. He needs what, to stop this and go back to doing you know, the apprentice you're fired because he was yeah. fantastic on that and he stopped that to do this and I can't work out what why. annoys me about some panel shows now as well. And I don't know how this started, but it certainly happened um in Mock the Week as a result of possibly something like Whose Line Is It Anyway, which I know isn't a panel panel show, it's a TV impro show, but I used to love Whose line is it anyway with Clive Anderson, where someone would do something and he'd go 5,000 points for everyone except so-and-so who gets minus 200. And it just didn't make any sense. It was stupid. And then in Mock the Week, Dara O'Brien would get them to all do their bits of stand-up and he'd go 23 points for everyone. Yeah. And it's like there has to be some sort of irrelevant scoring system. So even now on Would yeah. I Lie to You, Rob Bryden at the end of it goes, my individual liar of the week was so-and-so. It's like there has to be a competitive fake element. And it. it's like, why? And like at the end of Room 101, Frank Skinner goes, the most persuasive person this week was so-and-so. I was like, why can't the show just finish with everyone who said so? Why does it have to be a winner? Why does it have to be someone taken to stand out about? I don't understand. Very true. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, very true. They always have to sort of highlight some kind of weird thing at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. I mean, Frank Skinner's quite good as the host of Room 101. But again, but... I can't remember who previous hosts of Room 101 have been because you watch it now and you feel like Frank Skinner's done it forever. Um, Jack but... D, wasn't it? Ah, okay. But I think I feel like there must have been some more than that. Did John... No, I want to say... I nearly said oh, Jonathan Roth. I've just it? done a quick search. Nick Hancock, Paul Merton. Nick Hancock. What happened? Whatever happened to Nick Hancock? Because there was that sports Uh, panel show. Are we sad about this? (laughs) There was that sports panel show. They think it's all over. That was successful for years. And he was the host of that with Lee Hurst on it. And then I don't know why. Whatever happened to Lee Hurst? He had a good stand up. That yeah, used to make me laugh. Well, I mentioned he, the back, yeah, backyard comedy club that we did. That was owned by him. I think he yeah, gave yeah, it yeah, up. Yeah, then. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him lately. No, but I don't know what's happened to him. Him and Nick Hancock went into the same never to be seen again comedy vortex. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. I'm fine with it. Nick <laughs> Hancock wasn't he on some like I'm a celebrity, get me out of here or something, and then just oh, possibly, yeah. But uh, I'm trying to Probably think where Josh Widdicombe would end up. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who's hosted Room 101. No, it is only Nick Hancock for five years, Paul Merton for eight years, and Frank Skinner for six years. It might oh, have no, been Nick Hancock. It's now 10 years, Frank Skinner. It yeah. might have been Hancock I was thinking of over Jack D. Although I do like Jack D. Jack D did the All Fired, 
And then when he when he said he wasn't going to do the the apprentice you're fired, I was like, yeah. oh, you can't do it without Jack D. He's so dry. Yeah, but yeah. But then yeah. Rod Gilbert really made it. But yeah, I'm not I, a fan I, of this. No, Tom, Tom Allen. I I love The Apprentice, and I don't really remember Jack D doing the You're Fired so much. I remember Daro Brian did it for a couple of years, and I liked him doing it. I liked Rod Gilbert doing it. I yeah, I don't like Tom Allen doing. It. I don't. I think he's a little bit exposed as not being that funny. And like, unless... totally. Isn't it weird, right? <clears throat> because he's just. He does stuff, and he's like, it just comes across as so disingenuous. And there's yeah. not the only reason he, the only reason that show is popular is because people want to see what the contestants say about. Yeah, the when they come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's it. No one is watching it for the host anymore. Whereas with Rod Gilbert, I used to go, I used to look forward to Rod Gilbert ripping the yeah. contestants yeah. a bit. He doesn't do that. His cutting comments are just like all cheeky sarcasm yeah. and. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Not, it's not like it's oh, it's bad. But I, I watched the one that after last time, and they had Karen Brady on it. And but they always do this on your hired. They have s- quite weird, random guests as the three people that are supposed to talk about it and analyze it. And they'll have more serious people that are successful in business in their own right, or they'll have people they call yeah. comedians. And I'm like, who are they? I literally don't know who they are. And the three Absolutely people, no idea, never say anything good or funny ever on them and you know when no, the comedians did... are atrocious but have you noticed all the incestuous laughter like i don't know if it's piped in or if people are genuinely laughing but there's yeah. like stuff is said sometimes and i'm like that's not that i could i couldn't find anyone in my circle of friends life work whatever <laughs> who would find that funny yeah how have you got a room full of these people <laughs> And that's what annoys me about about TV show audiences, particularly panel shows, but in general, that you know if you've ever been behind the scenes that there's a warm-up person telling filthy jokes and getting them all laughing, and then the the real host or real comedians come out and say something, and the floor managers are telling them to do stuff and telling them to act, and the audience like, yeah, brilliant. It really winds me up when you get audience shots in a TV show. Particularly, you get this in Live at the Apollo. I know it's not a panel show, but it will just cut to people in the audience, and they used to do famous people in the audience, and sometimes it's still that, and sometimes it's randos, and they look like they're having the time of their lives. And if if you ever get a shot from further back you can see they're just quite often just sat there not doing anything and it's all that sort of fake stuff with tv that drives me mad and but i think it's because comedians are involved and they have to have this laughter yeah like the, I, like, that's what i'm saying i can't find evidence of a uh legitimate panel show that hasn't <laughs> in some way been yeah, coerced with results and things like that. Other yeah, than yeah, yeah, it depends what you're referring to as a panel show. I mean, technically, uh, Question Time, Prime Minister's <laughs> Question Time is a, is a panel of people who are on a show. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. is, I suppose, by my own definition, is a serious one. Yeah, uh, but but mostly it is uh, comedians talking about irrelevant stuff, trying to shoe on their own gags in. Yeah, that's that's generally what most panel shows consist of now. So is that good? Is that uh, uh, if someone a hundred years from now looks back at what we were watching on TV and they get this, is are they going to think we're idiots? Are they gonna I think, think what's sad is it's very difficult to get original stuff now. And if you actually look at it, step back and look at the wider thing, 
all these shows are the same. There's some sort of vehicle and it's some sort of way for a host to host their own series and then get all the same band of about 20 comedians on different programs over and over again. And it's a little bit what I was saying with like all the weird new stuff that's on Dave. There's something called guessable. There's something called unforgivable with Mel Giedroich now. There's something there's about I don't like her either. No, no. Wor- Although I did Sue like Mel her on Taskmaster. The worst thing to ever come out of the Bake Off. Like these, <laughs> those two's career. Like, I don't know why that exists. I feel like I'm just attacking uh, comedians and celebrities now. What? But I, I think what it is, I'll tell you what's just what annoys me yeah. is that it's it's full of people and situations that are. It's very forced because they're scared to fail. There's an yeah. element of it that they're scared to not have a laugh. They're scared yeah, for yeah, something yeah. on the show to go wrong. So therefore, everything is so precisely written and driven that it makes it very unrealistic as a as a as a format now. Yeah, definitely. And I do think people are growing wary of it. I don't think that many people watch it as much as they used to, and I think it will inevitably die out, like the sketch show has. You think? We don't have sketch shows anymore. Yeah, there yeah, isn't yeah. legitimate sketch shows. Back in the day, like when we were younger, yeah, 10, 15 years ago, there were loads of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, back if you go further back, there were hundreds of them. I mean, you used to have sketch shows on TV all the time. Morecambe and Wise, yeah. Hale and Pace, yeah. Um, Smith yeah, and Jones. Like Little and Large, yeah, all those sort Little of things. Little and Large, you used to have the... But even you could like French I didn't and like it. It was a sketch show. Harry yeah. Enfield, French and Saunders, even yeah. stuff like the comic strip presents going right back. You know that was even that's all exactly. that was longer. But format. you don't get sketches because it's gone into this reality TV format, and everything has to be real and comedy and focused. Like reality TV was a big thing yeah. for a few years, yeah, which yeah, yeah. was stuff going wrong and people being real and whatever. And now we've got this incredibly polished comedy format in these panel shows eight out of ten cats is very it's very polished it's very clean there's very little that goes wrong everything is precise even the 30 second countdown stuff that jimmy carr does it's all very nothing just goes wrong which is what is fun sometimes (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, lee mack did a a show sorry i keep cutting you off i will let you speak in a sec but just (laughs) for my point uh, Lee Mack did a show a while ago. I generally don't know if it's still on, but it was relatively entertaining because the first few I watched, stuff went wrong, and I was like, oh, that. And it reminded focus on because it's novel. And it was something. Uh, was it a panel show? Yeah. And people come in and they had a fact. And they had to oh, not prove that whether duck the fact quacks, was. Duck quacks don't That's echo. it. Yeah, yeah. Duck, duck quacks don't uh, echo. echo. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they'll go, I've got this fact and I've heard this is really true. And then they'll test it out and they'll go, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> but they'll go, that's brilliant, that. You've just dispelled the myth, but you've also proved that that celebrity is an idiot for believing it. Uh, and I quite liked that. But again, it became a bit forced after a while because I think there's only so much stuff you can demonstrate on live TV. Yeah. Um I've got an example of what I was going to say of it's almost going back to what you said about films where you see the trailer and it tells you everything about the film. This isn't strictly a panel show, but it's like the thing that's happened nowadays of, well, you've got to have stand up. Everything 
comedy wise on TV has got to feature stand up comedians, whether it's it, as a panel show, whether it's something like Live at the Apollo, whether it's just com- comedy, comedy, comedy. And it's that roast battle. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Jimmy Carr hosting a Catherine. Catherine Ryan is another who's on everything all the time. And I don't think she's very good. Um, I'm not famous. For, she, has, she has done a stand-up, to be fair. She but has I done stand-up, but she's, not great. I think she's famous for being Catherine Ryan. But that is... roast battle, you can literally watch a 30-second oh, promo. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can it. watch a 30-second promo. And I watched a whole episode once, which was only half hour. And I was like, I cannot believe how actual little content there is in this show. I think the one I watched had Jimmy Carr, Catherine Ryan and Joe Lysett supposedly judging in inverted commas the roast that was going on and there was one comic against another one and then after that another comic against another one and they got to speak for like 30 seconds taking the piss out of each other and then they judged them then it went to an ad break for four minutes and then they did it i was like the actual amount of time of what the show is supposed to be about was a total of about six minutes in that program it was absolutely rubbish i was like i can't believe anybody likes this and it was just a thing of like how to celebrate insulting people. <laughs> it, was a, it was really bad for a society format, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. equally, you can't tell me that that wasn't polished either. There's no way any one of those people are going to go on TV and have people openly insult them without, without them exactly going, what they were going to say. What are you going to talk about? Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got a funny nose. I'm quite sensitive about it, so don't mention that. Yeah. This this is, and again, it was, it was too polished but they tried to make out it was like grunge yeah that would definitely be it was like underground beats or something, <laughs> yeah. you know? that would definitely be scripted and they try and make it look like they're making it up on the spot and the very fact they have anybody judging it is utterly ludicrous and that's something else that I've talked about on this podcast before it's again not panel shows it's all these reality shows you can't have a program on tv anymore where people are seen to be doing things against someone else in a competitive element without having famous judges trying to influence the viewers to think certain things about it. And I cannot stand it. It started with Pop Idol and X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. And now there's that. Have you seen that? Well, the Masked Singer does it and it's ludicrous. It's just, you can't, I really want there to be some kind of however the talent is displayed talent show where the TV audience just vote online and nobody in the program tries to influence the voting in one way or another. It's just who you've enjoyed the most in that thing. But the the mass singer does it, that new thing starstruck that's come on. Oh God. And it's like, well, we have to have four famous people voting. It's Jason Manford, Beverly Knight, Sheridan Smith and Adam Lambert. And yeah, they can talk about, why they were good or not good it's like but everyone can see don't have judges on it oh it really that that winds me up so much so you get angry at that like i do at widdicombe yeah um but the, and i'll tell you the other one who annoys me although he's now a host host the guy uh i've forgotten his name already james yeah, corden he oh, did a yeah. show in the UK with those two sports people where they went around. Uh, a league no. of their own. Oh, yeah. no, he's the one. He, he is worse. <laughs> he is worse than anyone I've mentioned so far. Who? Like Jack Whitehall. Ah, oh, yes. Take him off TV. Stop <laughs> putting him on the television. Are you insane? Now, that is a man who should not be famous. 
Yeah. What is he about? What? <laughs> what is he about? I mean, seriously. And he's where has got, he come from? What is he doing? He's got into films and stuff now. Actually, do you know what's weird? Of all the things, you would never pick sort of comedians to go into films and stuff. And I realised this other guy I'm going to talk about was a comedy actor rather than a stand-up. But yeah, Jack Ryder was a stand-up, has ended up going into films and doing stand-up and hosting and doing loads of stuff. Chris O'Dowd was in the IT crowd, wasn't he? And was relatively yeah. amusing. And he's become a sort of Hollywood actor. And I was like, I cannot believe he's made it. In... I've no issue with that. What's your issue? Well, in fact, I, just... I don't even know why that's in this conversation. <laughs> what, what panel show has he been on? He must he's been on something somewhere. I've de- well, he's... he might have been, but he's not part of this. Like, No, all right. Jack Whitehall did that stupid panel show with idiot Chris, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, James Corden, James Corden, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I hate things like that, which, and then they went abroad and did it, and the, <laughs> that smacks of all that stuff with Gordon Ramsay and that, where it's it's just so fake. Oh, I know a campsite up here that might cook something for us. Oh, look, it's all set up and prepared, and everything's clean and sanitary. Well, have you ever forest? Should we cook something here, boys? Yeah. Oh, look. Just have you ever to watched somewhere to sleep? Have Where's you ever sleeping? watched Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares USA, in particular? And it's like the Star yes. Battle Show, is it? But it's like, oh, this isn't formulaic in any way whatsoever. Oh, there's someone whose business is failing. Oh, there's someone running a restaurant and the chef is terrible. And the person running the restaurant's really stressed but doesn't lead the staff. Gordon Ramsay's going to come in and swear again. And <laughs> a threaten to walk off. I don't Gordon- I don't want to argue with you here, but the whole point of the show is he goes, like, he's not going to go to a restaurant that, he, well, I do want to argue with it. It's food for thought. Uh, they're not going to go to a restaurant that's doing amazing, are they? No, 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 no. The whole premise is it goes to restaurants that are doing badly. Otherwise, (laughs) it's a bad show. No, but that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is everyone I've seen of those is exactly the same. The owner is portrayed to be a tosser. Gordon Ramsay comes in, has a massive go at them. They threaten to walk out. Gordon Ramsay makes up with them. Then his team come and rejuvenate their restaurant and redecorate it. And then... That what I find funny about it is then at the end of the program, it's given a second lease of life and everything's brilliant. <laughs> he goes back six months later and about 30% of the time it's shut down. It really has. Uh, but did you see the one where he sent in a lookalike? No. There's one where he, he sent in a Gordon Ramsay lookalike <laughs> to go into the restaurant first. Yeah, and then he went in in disguise with some other people, uh, just to see the difference and how they treated him. And they treated this lookalike uh, <laughs> like a god. And they're like, "Oh yeah, they're giving him all this." And like, like they gave him the steak thing. Yeah, like, yeah they gave him the proper like big piece of steak or whatever. <laughs> and then they just gave Gordon Ramsay all the gristle or something. <laughs> it was just like absolute. It was like dog food that they served to. <laughs> yeah. Because he came in as like this cowboy or something. Brilliant. It was it was pretty funny. Well, yeah, listen, that, that upsettingly, we're uh, drawing to a close the amount of time we've got left in this episode of Feud for Thought. But I think we should move heaven and earth to get Phil Jupiter's and Cariad Lloyd on to a future episode. <laughs> I don't think after listening to this, they'll ever do anything <laughs> that we're involved with if they ever got the opportunity anyway. No, what a shame. Actually, one thing I will say, you mentioned him briefly earlier, and we haven't talked about it much. I do really like Ramesh Ranganathan on any panel show he's been on. And it, not that it's a panel show, but he now... This is genuine. 
but he hosts the weakest link now. And yes, it's more gentle and laid back than when um, Anne Robinson did it. But and it's only celebrities. They haven't done a series with actual just members of the public. But I really like him hosting that as well. Ramesh Ranganathan. I didn't. I didn't know he was doing the weakest. I like Ramesh Ranganathan. Yeah, I, I, I like Rob Beckett. Like those two, just really determined. <clears throat> I think they're really good. What is it, by the way? And just slightly off topic. Why have we got all these celebrities bobbing around with the mums and dads everywhere? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Russell Howard does it. Bradley Walsh does it with his son, doesn't he? Yeah, Jack yeah. Whitehall and his Romish dad. Did some... does it with, with his, his mum. Mu- yeah, yeah, that's true. Jack Whitehall does it with his dad. Maybe it's it makes... completely bizarre. Executives the must think... I'm taking on holiday <laughs> <in the> mother. <laughs> Executives must think it makes them more real as humans if you get to see them with other people in their family or something. Oh, it's just as fake. Right, a few seconds left. If you had to say one panel show, if you were turned on the telly and all the panel shows were on the same time on different channels, which one would Crikey. you watch above them all? I think mine would be 8 uh, out of 10 probably, cats. Yeah, plus I think counter. mine would be. Okay. If I could watch anything at any time, 8 out of 10 cats, probably a Sean Locke one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, uh, weirdly, for Feud for Thought, we've agreed on something right at the end there. Yeah, so, uh, and nothing with any of the people I don't like him. <laughs> Josh Widdicombe, Phil Jupiter's, and Carrie Ad Lloyd. And uh, what if they were the other panel? It was like Sean Locke with Phil Jupiter's, Carrie Ad Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is an episode of that somewhere. Yeah, oh. Probably somewhere, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Um, it is drawing to a close. Thank you so much for uh, listening to our ramblings once again on Feed for Thought. Please uh, go through all our previous episodes as well. There's so many to choose from. I don't even know how many we've done now. Have we reached, what have we reached? 40 something? This is 40 something. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's 46. We ought to really be more, oh, I should certainly be more aware of that. We're getting close to the big 5-0. That should be some extravaganza when it comes up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. And do tweet us at feud thoughts as well. Anything you've thought about the episode or previous episodes, we'd love to hear from you. And we will give you a shout out if you tweet us at feud thoughts. So yes. But right now, absolutely. From myself, Ben Simmons and my as ever wonderfully esteemed colleague. Me, Martin Hill. It's bye for now. See you again soon. Bye.